Thank you so much for joining us for another message from Sandhill Free Will Baptist Church in Sandusky, Ohio. This podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sandhill. It is our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ. It is our steadfast belief that we can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or visit our social media pages on YouTube or Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We've been at this thing for, I don't know what it is now, eight months, nine months since this whole virus started and everything going on in our country and in the church and um, and I've been asked this a few different times by a few different people and it seems to be kind of the question on everyone's mind and I know everybody wonders about the future but the question has been asked to me numerous times will the church go back to the way it was before the virus hit will we go back to that and uh, to be honest most everyone who's asked me that the the answer they were looking for is uh, I hope not I hope we won't go back to the way we was before and I have uh, been very um, I feel strongly led by the Lord uh, committed to not going back to just the way we are um, I don't know about any of the rest of you um, if you just bear with me speaking just for a minute um, there is something different now even on Sunday morning, there's something different. Um, I this is not supposed to be mechanical. Amen. This this is not supposed to be going through the motions. I'm supposed to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm supposed to come out there. I'll sit there and be miserable. I'll go out to eat. I'll see my friends. I, that's not what church supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I get to go to church. I can't wait to get there, and I'm going to be ex- excited while I'm there. That's what church is supposed to be. And if it is not that, we really need to stop right then and say, what's the problem? What's the problem? How are we going to address this issue? So will church go back to the way it was before? And if I'm real honest with you guys, and maybe maybe confess my sins here a little bit, um, I feel like the Lord has been really convicting me for a long time, even before the virus hit, of some changes that I need to make, uh, that the church needs to make. And uh, to be real, real honest with you, um, I've, I've just not been obeying the Lord uh, and what He's been leading me to do. But I do believe we need to make some changes in, in the church and the things that we do. And uh, we're going to kind of get into that. This series is going to be about that. <clears throat> and so I'd like to try to lay out uh, over the next uh, few weeks uh, kind of what I feel the Lord is leading me into, what I believe that we're supposed to be doing. Um, and, and the title of the message this morning, if you got a paper, you can see it, On Purpose. I, need, I believe we need to do church on purpose. You say, what do you mean by that? There's a reason we're here. There's a reason we're here. We've got to come with a reason, we've got to come with a purpose, and we ought to do things for a purpose. And, and there ought to be an a, um, end result we're looking for, and not just going through the motions, being mechanical, and, and, and all of that. So it'll probably make all of you happy that, that what I want to talk about, um, in, as far as fault goes, is going to be on me instead of on you. Isn't that good for everybody? You can sit back and hear me preach about myself. Uh, but I would like to talk about this this morning. What is the preacher's job? You know, preachers are criticized all the time. A lot of people criticize me. Preachers are criticized all the time. But what is a preacher's job? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, And can I just say this as as nicely as I can? really doesn't matter what you think my job is. It matters what God says my job is. 
That's what really matters. So I'm going to read, as you, if you got your hand out, there's, there's about four or five uh, scriptures here we're going to read. I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, comment on them. I'd like to just kind of read them. Each one of them tells us what the preacher's supposed to be doing. And uh, probably in the weeks ahead, maybe we will uh, uh, go a little deeper on these texts. But I kind of just wanted to, uh, this will be more of an introduction than anything this morning on, on the, the thought that we're trying to get across. But these scriptures, I think, kind of uh, tell what the Bible says a preacher's supposed to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand since there's several to go through, if you can just try to follow along with me as you're sitting. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 2, verse number 1, Peter addressing the elders, that is pastors, that word there is the word pastors uh, that he addresses there, the elders. And then he goes into verse 2 and he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Now, most of the time when someone's mad at the preacher, what is the very first thing out of their mouth? He's not feeding me. And that what they always, I mean, that, that's what you always say, you know, he's not feeding me. That's what they, and a lot of times what that means, because we're not biblical, a lot of times what that means is I don't like the preacher. Or I don't enjoy the preaching. Or I, I don't feel good during the preaching. But you know, this word here has nothing to do about that. This has nothing to do about that. If you look this word up, the word feed here, it literally means to, uh, to give your soul what it needs. To give your soul what it needs. So my job is to look at your soul and give your soul what your soul needs. And then that, that may not necessarily be what makes you feel good or what you even enjoy. Uh, but my job is not to make you feel good. My job is to give your soul what your soul needs. Uh, that word oversight, it literally means uh, to, to examine you and to see what you need. To see what you're lacking. So my job as a pastor is to give your soul what it needs to examine you, to look at what, it, what is needed and give you that. And then in verse 3 it says, I'm to be an example of, of living that out before you. So kind of just hold that in your mind. Again, we're not going to take a lot of time. I'm just going to kind of go through this. We'll jump down to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and uh, verse 19. I think this is very important. We're trying to answer the question, what is the preacher's job? Just one verse here. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 and, and verse 19, my little children, Paul has, uh, if you will, he has established this church, he has passed this church, he is, uh, um, is uh, helping to oversee this church, uh, getting it up on its feet, and this is what he says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You know what my job is? To make all of you like Jesus. That's my job. I am to, he says, I travail. That's the idea of a woman in labor. He says, I'm, I'm laboring until all of you are like Jesus, till Christ be born in you, be formed in you. So that is my job. We're all familiar with uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, but let's read it anyway. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of us can quote it. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4 and 2 Uh, Again, Timothy is a young preacher, probably uh, early 30s, possibly even in his 20s. He's just a young uh, pastor. We can tell by the scriptures uh, that he's kind of timid and he's a little backward. And and Paul, being the older minister, he tells Timothy, he said, as a young pastor, he said, preach the word. 
Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He said, preach the word. I'm not going to take a lot of time with that this morning, but that's what preachers are supposed to do is preach the word. Amen. And there's an awful lot that goes on behind the pulpit that's not preaching the word, uh, that it's a whole lot of other things, but we are called to preach the word. And if you look at it, it says reprove and rebuke. Uh, one person has noted that there, that there is two thirds more correction than there is encouragement. Again, everyone is not happy with the preacher. It's always why well, I want him to make me feel good. I want him to feel good message. But Paul, said reprove rebuke show them where they're wrong correct them get them to living right make christ be formed in them that is my job that is what i'm supposed to do and the word doctrine which seems to be a bad word for some people you know what that word is it's teaching it's teaching supposed to learn something that's why you come to church that oh i don't believe in that well you just don't believe in the bible then you don't believe in the Bible because the Bible talks an awful lot about doctrine, which is teaching, which is learning what the Bible says. So that is my job. Go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> Paul here uh, uh, is addressing the Ephesian church. He's getting ready to leave them for the last time. And this is what he says. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27 <clears throat> For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's important. Keep that in your mind. We'll come back to that at another time. Uh, All of the counsel, not some of the counsel, all of the counsel of God. And then he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. He's talking to the pastors of Ephesian church. Uh, He said to, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, I just want to point out this real quick to you. Paul said here, the Holy Spirit has set you over the church. Now, let me just say this, I guess, as clearly as I can. If the Holy Spirit has set me over this church, you have an obligation to follow me as your pastor. Can I tell you, if the Holy Spirit hasn't set me over this church, you ought to get rid of me. You ought to get rid of me. See, there's not a lot of choices here. Oh, I don't agree with pastor. I'm going to just, no, there's not that. If the Holy Spirit, uh, we could get into blasphemy and everything else, but if the Holy Spirit has set me in to oversee and to lead this church and you decide you're just going to do your own thing, you're going against the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit hasn't set me in, you need to remove me as the pastor. Is that what the Bible says? Is that, is that, is that too straightforward? And so then let's go to Ephesians chapter four. And, um, boy, this is really the best chapter in all of the Bible to tell what the church is supposed to be. And we're just going to touch on just a little bit of it, uh, today. Uh, again, just trying to kind of give you a sampling of what the preacher's job is. <clears throat> but in Ephesians chapter four and verse 11, so let me bring you up to speed. Jesus came to this earth to save sinners. Amen. Jesus came to this earth to save sinners. He went to the cross. He died before he went to the cross to die. Very shortly before he went to the cross, he told them, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was Jesus' idea to build the church. Oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Which see, you don't get to do that if you're biblical. Because if you're biblical, you have to love the church. And, and Jesus is, is uh, uh, established that you don't have that option of not loving the church. So he said, I'll build the church. And then he went on to tell them later, he said, I, I give you the 
keys and he said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, the, the, the church is set here to uh, represent Christ and to be the, the vehicle that if you're a Christian, you get in and go to heaven. That is what the church is here for. So that being said, that's where we are at. So in, in Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks of him uh, descending into the, into the grave. And this is at his, at his death. And then he ascends into heaven. And, and then he comes back. So he has established his church before he dies on the cross. He dies on the cross. He goes to heaven. He, and this is what he does for his church that he established. <clears throat> Verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets... And some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from, when, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual work in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And we'll just ask the Lord to help me to, to get across to you guys this morning what church is supposed to be. So we've tried to paint a picture of what a preacher's job is to do. And here uh, Jesus again went to the cross and he comes back and he comes to his church and he says, I give you the gift of, of prophets and, and apostles and pastors and evangelists and preachers. I give you the gift of preachers for a reason. I give you that gift. And that reason is for the perfecting of the saints, making the saints what they're supposed to be uh, and taking the form of Christ. So my job is to to um, make you guys what Jesus wants you to be. That is the perfecting of the saints and for the edifying of the body. That, that word edifying is not make you feel good. That word edifying is the building up. Make us be what Jesus wants us to be. And that's what church is supposed to be. I mean, that's what church is supposed to be. So uh, if, if you kind of kind of uh, um, at least have a slight idea now of what a preacher's job is supposed to be, and I could rabbit trail here a long time and I'll, and I'll try to uh, resist that temptation. But can I just tell you real plainly, most of what preachers are criticized about has nothing to do with what the Bible says. I mean, they're run down for everything under the sun that you don't like, but has nothing to do with what the Bible says. It's just that the preacher doesn't do what you like. And, and I understand that my job is for people not to like me, but, but can I just say my main objective is, is to do what the Bible says. I want to do what the Bible says. And if I do what the Bible says, um, uh, Jeff Jones likes to say, I have an audience of one. I really do have an audience of one. If I please Jesus, it's okay whatever you guys think about me. Right? And so my job is to please Jesus. I want him to be pleased with me. And he has told me what I'm supposed to do. It may not be what you like, but he's told me what to do. So I'm going to do what Jesus says. <clears throat> so I would like to uh, um, lay out this morning, again, this is more, more going to be introduction than anything else. If you go to your New Testament, 
you know, we could go across this uh, congregation, we go across all the Christians that we know, and we could say, what is church supposed to be? And we get 1,500 different answers, wouldn't we? I mean, everybody has their opinion on what church is supposed to be. But if we go to the Bible, we go to the book of Acts, we go to what Jesus said, we go to all the epistles, if we really, we really uh, lay it down, it's pretty clear that the New Testament church is a, has four components. I believe these are in your notes. There is to be fellowship. Baptists like to think that fellowship is always has to do with eating. <laughs> I just say amen. All right, I'm I'm good with that. And if we go to the Book of Acts, there's often they're sitting down breaking bread. You know what they were doing? Nothing super spiritual about that. They were just getting together eating. We did that yesterday, right? I mean, I say hallelujah. All right, I mean that that's good stuff. We we get together, we talk, we spend time together, we share with one another, we we fellowship with one another, we eat, we fellowship. But really, here's the bottom line on that: we want to be together. We want to be together. When we don't want to be together, the church is broken. Is that right? Yes. We want to be together. If we don't want to be together, the church is broken. So fellowship is, is always a part of the church. If you have a church and you say it's a great church, man, it's phenomenal. The service, we don't like to be around each other, but it's a great church. No, it's not. Not a great church. If you don't have fellowship, you don't have a good church. And I know these last few months we haven't been going out back and eating like we always do. And some of the things we've done every year before haven't been able to do quite as much. Um, but we still should want to be together. And, and, uh, and even with this virus and everything that's going on, um, it is a blessing to me that you guys are out there in the foyer. You're glad to see each other. You're, you're, you're glad to be together. When church is over, we don't just run out and leave. We, we want to be together. So fellowship is critically important of the church. It's a component of the church. You can't really have church, New Testament church, without prayer. Everybody agree to that? If you take a church that doesn't have prayer, you don't really have a church. It is a critical part of the church. And worship. Worship is important. And, and we'll get into this a little deeper again. It's just kind of introduction. But let me just say this. I'm really thankful for what, what's, I'm thankful we had this morning. We, I think we had a good service morning. There was a good spirit here. There was testimonies. There was worshiping. There was, there was uh, really, I believe, uh, appreciating God. If we come to church and there's not worship, something is wrong. Can I, can I, is anybody, is anybody with me? Can I get an amen? amen? If, if we come to church and there's not, if we come to church and we all sit here like, oh, I can't wait till this is over. God's looking down saying, that is not what I'm looking for. You ought to come to church and say, I got so much to thank him for. He'd been so good to me. I love that first song. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Something wonderful happened, and now I know he touched me, and he made me whole. But then it said, uh, I'll never cease to praise him. I was thinking as we were singing that song, kind of what this uh, series is going to be about. But if every one of you, and I'll get this, really, really important. Uh, I don't want to spoil my, uh, my grand finale, but everybody get this. If you really appreciated Jesus saving your soul, every time you come to church, you'd be shouting hallelujah. That's right. yeah. Every time. Not when you had a good week. Not when you got a miracle. Not when you got the big check in the mail. Not when you were healed of all your problems. When you come to church and you say, Jesus took away all my sins, you're going to say, praise His holy name, I'm a Christian. Yeah. 
I get to talk to Brother Alan all the time. You guys don't get that blessing like I do, but I get to talk to Brother Alan all this time. And I just tell you, Alan's been through more than probably just about anybody in this entire church. I'm not trying to air out his problems. He's just been through a lot. It's just been really, really, really bad. Can I tell you, when you talk to that boy, you know what he said? God's been mighty good to me. Listen, he didn't come up here this morning and put on an act. He's happy. You say, you can't be happy and have all those problems. See, that's where we're wrong. That's where we got this whole thing wrong. I'll praise God when I have a good week and everything goes good for me. No, no, no. You praise God because you realize you deserve to go to hell and burn forever and you get to go to heaven and be with Him. Amen? And that makes you happy. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a little kicker for you. This kind of goes back to, are we going to go back to the way we was before the virus? I believe that if we make the changes we're supposed to, hold, hold on here. I believe that every time the church doors is open, we're supposed to have a good service. Is that too much? Now, I remember when I was a kid. Now, I'm going to get in trouble here. But I remember when I was a kid. Here's how church was. Come to church, and I hope something happens. It's kind of like we're going to come in and see if God's in a good mood. And if God's in a good mood, we're going to shout the house down. If God's not in a good mood, we're going to sit here and it's going to be boring. We'll go back home. Can I tell you, that is not right. You know what we're supposed to do? When I come in, Alan said, and I, when my feet hit the floor this morning, God started blessing me. See, it isn't that God's in a good mood. It's in what kind of mood are you in? Now, if we'd all just be real serious this morning, real honest, every last person here, how many times have you come to church and didn't really feel like worshiping? You was mad at somebody, ticked off about something, had a bad week, just wasn't feeling good. I'm going to church because I'm supposed to. I'm going to get it over with. I don't want to worship. I hope it's short. I hope the message is short. And I want to go home. Do you really think God's going to bless you? Do you think God should bless you? But when you get up and say, I've had a horrible week. I feel raunchy. I'm mad at my spouse. Someone ticked me off. But glory to God, I'm not going to hell. And I'm glad to be here. I'm going to worship my God. We're going to have a good church service. I think that since this virus has hit, some of you are starting to appreciate having church because you couldn't come before. And you actually come to church and kind of glad to be here because you didn't have it. For 40 years, it was always here. You took it for granted. Then it got taken away. And you all of a sudden said, you know, I'm kind of glad to be here. Kind of glad I got a church. Well, that's what it ought to be every service. Now, am I, am I just too fanatical to believe that every time we come to church, we ought to have good service? See, God always is in the mood to have a good service. He never says, I don't want anybody worshiping me today. I don't want them to talk about how good I am. I don't want them saying all those nice things about me. I'm just not in the mood. God never says that. Every service, He says, I want someone to say how great I am. Right? And so, if we, would, if we understood this, we would have a good service every time. Now, can we shout hallelujah? Can we cry and just worship God every time we're here? Why not? Why not? Why can't we? It's really all up to you. But, but we're going to come back to that being my fault here in a minute. <clears throat> so we have fellowship, we have prayer, we have worship, and we have preaching. Those are the four components of any New Testament church. It's clearly in the Bible. It's, it's clearly, there's really no dispute about it. You take one of those out, you really don't have church. All those four things are needed. So here's my, um, here's my statement for the message. Everything rests on biblical preaching. 
Now, I'd like to try and prove that to you this morning, and, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll go through these quickly, and, and we'll try to expound on this in, in future messages. I want to look at a, at a very amazing verse. I remember when I first took over, I was so green, I was a young preacher, and I was kind of naive, and I, I, I remember so well when I first started pastoring, I was so dumb, I thought if I just preached the Bible, everybody listened, and we'd have a good church. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. But anyways, I remember this was my kind of my theme verse when I very first started pastoring. I used to promote it for, I think, for about three years. I read it about every service. It was my number one verse. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, this is what he said. Now I beseech you, brethren, Christians, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Let me read that again. That ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And a lot of people would say in church, that is impossible. That cannot happen. Everybody has a different opinion. Well, Paul didn't think so. But I listened to a preacher and he said this, and I thought this was the most profound thing. And this is what he said, you Bible readers, you Bible readers, what kind of church was a Corinthian church? What kind of church was it? Was it a good church? Uh, they had a guy sleeping with his dad's wife. Uh, they had incest in the church. Uh, they were making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. Uh, they were suing one another in court. Uh, they had, I mean, it was about as, as and they were a, they were a church. And that's what was going on inside the church is those kind of things. Now, according to what Paul is saying, the brother who, or the, the, whoever it was that was in the church who was sleeping with his dad's wife was still in the church operating as one of the church people. <laughs> How many like to have a pastor who sleep with his dad's wife? I mean, that's what's going on. Paul said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 we got to straighten this out. But here's what I want you to get. As bad as a Corinthian church is, here's what I heard a preacher say. Everybody ready for this? Do, we guys, do you guys believe the Bible, by the way? Amen. Here's, what, here's what a preacher said. With all of those horrible things going on, the Apostle Paul said, before I deal with incest and adultery and suing one another and making a mock of the Lord's Supper, before any of that, you guys are going to start getting long. You think about that. You let that sink in. He said, more importantly than adultery, you guys get along. More importantly than suing one another, you guys get along. More important than anything I can preach, more important than make, they were bringing in booze and getting drunk and saying we're having the Lord's Supper. How many thinks that's a good thing? Paul said, more importantly than that, you guys get along. And if you're not getting along, we're not going any farther till you guys get along. Oh, it ain't that big of a deal if we all fight, as long as we do the Lord's Supper right. That's not what Paul thought. Paul said, get along, or there ain't no sense to do anything else. Everybody in unity. So I am going to say something that all of you will think I have lost my mind. Most of you already do, but I'll say something that you think will lose my mind. I believe that God has given me a way, if I will obey Him, that we can all speak the same thing. I know a lot of you are saying, Pastor, you have lost your mind. But can I just say that I believe the New Testament way is we all speak the same thing. We all, we all get along. We all have a similar mind for the church. And we're all together. So fellowship, uh, I believe that biblical preaching brings unity. I believe biblical preaching uh, doesn't allow fighting or bitterness. We talked Wednesday night, of those of you that were with us Wednesday night. We talked about Christian people 
Not liking each other. Can I tell you that's not allowed? That's not allowed. It's not allowed in this church. You're not allowed to not like people in church. You don't. Listen, if you don't like someone in church, make sure you say, I am a baby. I am not a Christian that is spiritual and I am far away from God. Don't raise your hand and say, I am so spiritual. I can't stand somebody in the church, but I am so spiritual. No, you're not. You're, you're a carnal Christian. That's what God says. But I believe that biblical preaching, like God has laid on my heart, will fix the bitterness, the fighting, and, and will bring unity in the church. It will, it will create a love among us. Number two, prayer. So the first one was fellowship. Preaching will bring good fellowship. It will bring a component of the church. Prayer. Um, we have tried and tried and tried to have different things for prayer in this church. I'll be honest, I would like to see Wednesday night become a, a prayer service. You know, everyone calls Wednesday night their prayer service. I, I never really understand it because all of my life, since I, all my life since I was a little boy, it never had anything to do with prayer. It just had to do, <laughs> I don't know why we call it our prayer service. It never has anything to do with prayer. But wouldn't it be great to really have prayer service? But here, here's what someone told me. If Wednesday night we come out here and we're going to try and pray for an hour, there's nobody here who can. Do we see the problem? <laughs> Right? So we've got to get to the place where we can pray uh, that, that prayer where we really get a hold of God. In our, uh, wasn't that precious what Brother Allen said? Uh, one of the differences between Brother Allen and, and a lot of us is, in all honesty, um, he got saved and he still remembers his lost friends. But a lot of us, it's been such a long time that's kind of distant to us. I've been in church so long. My friends are all Christians. I'm all around Christian people. But can I say, we need to remember those people that are on their way to hell. If you had a burden for your family that's on their way to hell, if you had a burden for your friends that you used to run around with, if you had a burden for people that were going to burn forever, I wonder if you could pray for an hour. But if you're just telling God all things He needs to do for you, it probably ain't going to take that long. Right? God do this and 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 then I'm done. But a deep prayer, you know, sometimes prayer is getting down and just moaning for the, for the Lord. It's not even words. Anybody ever done that? Just get down and you can't even say words. Your, your heart's just pouring out to God. But I believe biblical preaching will teach us to pray. Pray, not praying shallow, but praying deep. Uh, preaching teaches us uh, how to pray and gives us a desire to pray. So what I'm trying to paint you a picture of all the components in the church that we're supposed to be doing come from good preaching. And worship. Number three, worship. Kind of already alluded to this. I had a preacher tell me this uh, some time back, actually several years back. But he was talking about, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of people, probably some people in this church, who believe that good worship and good preaching are opposites. Right? They're opposite of each other. If you're going to have good preaching, you know, if you're going to have someone really preaches the Bible, we're not going to have a good service, obviously. But if we're going to have a good service, we really don't need good preaching. Can I tell you that is so unbiblical? That is so unbiblical. And what this preacher told me was, everybody knows this preacher, what this preacher told me is, he said, good preaching will teach them why they ought to be worshiping God. It'll make them realize how God is. He magnifies and makes Him so great that when they come to church, they'll want to worship Him because He is so great. That's what biblical preaching does. It makes you want to worship. It gives us deep worship. Can I just say this? This is really, really important. This is really important. And, and I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to come off offensive this morning, but this is really important. 
I believe that a lot of what we call worship in church is you getting what you want. You having a good feeling, you enjoying yourself, you thinking about uh, something that you got. But you know what worship is supposed to be? It's supposed to be about Him. How great He is. If I lose my job, lose my wife, lose my health, and all of you turn your back on me, can I tell you, God's still worthy to be worshipped. He's still worthy to be worshipped. It didn't have anything to do with what my situation is. It has to do with God. And if we understood how great He is, and that He saved my soul, uh, then then I would want to worship Him no matter what. And that's what preaching is supposed to do, is cause you to, to worship God because you realize how great He is. It magnifies God. It takes our feelings off of uh, of feeling good. Oh, I just want to go to church and feel good. I'm not opposed to coming to church and feeling good. But if I'm real honest, a lot of times when I have felt the closest to God, it's when I sat in my pew and I felt like a dirty, rotten dog. Like Renee said, I, 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 I could spend all morning talking to you guys about Renee. But I, I come up last week and, and she sat there and she told me what, what the Lord had done. And, and she's been through for six, eight months. She's just, she's just really been through it with her health. Really nobody understands what Renee's been through. But I have watched her grow and I've watched her get closer to God. Now she sits there and God chastises her and tells her how wrong she is. And, and not to make fun of her, but since that day, uh, even to last night, she's been trying very hard to do what God told her to. <laughs> I, I just keep waiting for her to say, I can't do it anymore. I got to tell you how much I hate them. But she doesn't. She just says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And can I tell you, that doesn't necessarily feel good. Does anybody understand what I mean when, it, when you say you feel bad, but you feel good? I feel so close to God, even though he just spanked me real good. Right? But a lot of people think I feel really good to God when I am enjoying myself. It doesn't matter if God's getting anything. As long as I am enjoying it, that's wrong, people. That is not church. That is not what God says. Uh, worship is about God. And again, every service is filled with worship. I believe biblical preaching will give us a, where every service is filled with preaching. So that is just a very uh, quick uh, run through of what church is supposed to be and how biblical preaching is do it. And so um, I suppose you have figured out by now, and that's what this series is going to be about. I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? I believe that, that the way we have been preaching is not the way God would have us to be preaching. And I believe that we need to make some changes. I believe that I need to make some changes. And so, that's why I started this message. Isn't it great to say, whenever I say I figured out what's wrong with the church, it's me? Aren't you guys happy? Aren't you guys happy that it's me? But I believe that we need to make some changes in the preaching. And when we make some changes in the preaching, I believe that all these things will begin to resolve themselves. So how are we going to implement this truth? <clears throat> I'm going to say I'm going to say five statements. You're going to think all of them are crazy. You're going to think they're not possible. Uh, most of you that have been raised in church think the, that this this is a crazy talk. But I really believe if I do what God tells me to do. All these things can come to pass. But number one, I believe God has shown me. This is going to blow your mind. Hang on. I believe God has shown me a way that I can preach that every last one of you won't have any choice but to say I agree with everything you're saying. That's a stretch. That is a stretch. If you've been in church any time in law, you know that you always have the right to say, yeah, that's stupid. I ain't believe nothing he says. But can I tell you, the God's given me a way that he's told me that we need to be preaching that I haven't been preaching, that you don't have a choice but to say he's exactly right. Now you say, that's not possible, preacher. Well, just keep coming. I'm going to show you. 
All right, just keep coming. That's what I'm trying to do is get you a little bit uh, curious what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a preaching, number two, that God approves of. I can preach a message. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've been preaching long enough. I can preach without God. I can preach without the Holy Spirit. And I can't tell you, I've been preaching long enough. I can get every one of you on your feet shouting hallelujah. I'm going to let you in a little secret. I'm going to offend a bunch of you. Let me tell you a little secret. I know I could name names and all of you would know the names, but some of the greatest preachers that we know, and I'm talking about the big preachers, I'm talking about independent, fundamental, old fashioned, uh, um, believing in standards and believing in conservatism and all the things that all of us believe in and ones we just idolize. This is what they say. This is what they say, people. Listen to me. Look right here. We'll get mad here just a second. Look at me. This is what they say. When the crowd's down, I know what to do to get them shouting. Is that the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about the preachers you like. I'm talking about the preachers I like. I want to feel something. They'll make you feel something. They know what to do. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel God. You say, no, that's not right. Yeah, that's what's happening. I know, I know someone that all of you know very well. And I was told by, by someone that knows him, I said, yeah, he knows how to work the church. He'll get them on their feet shouting. And what I'm trying to say is, that is man. That is man. And that's what a lot of people want, is man. Every one of these preachers I'm talking about, if they come here, you guys will be shouting the, the church on. Can I just say, I've been doing this long, I know how to do that. I can get all of you guys shouting. I can get all you guys on your feet. Just, just glory, hallelujah. Now here's the kicker. I know I'm getting in deep water. Preacher, I know the difference in the Spirit of God. I've always wanted someone to explain that to me. I've always wanted someone to, I've been to service, and I don't mean to offend my dad, I don't mean this all, but I remember when I was a little kid, I remember going to church, and they were shouting the house down, I mean, they were climbing the pews, and my dad said, they ain't no spirit in that whatsoever. And then I would see another, pre- now, see another one time, and someone said, man, I know that was the spirit of God. How do you know? You know how I know? What it's about. What it's about. If it is about God and lifting up His holy name, we got to be careful. Some things are not the Spirit that we think are the Spirit. And if it's about making you feel good, probably not the Spirit, right? So I believe that we can have a, a preaching that God approves of. Um, here's one for you. Number three, preaching that takes the man out of it. How many of you would like to see preaching that has nothing to do with Gary? That's what we're supposed to have. Not anything to do with Gary. It only has to do with God. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you have been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together enliven each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content and programming provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages by visiting our website at www.sandhillfwb.com.